my my deep dive into the space of resilience started kind of accidentally right i've always focused on it but in may 2013 myself and two of my colleagues uh in in syria that were part of un were taken hostage and we were taken hostage um in a in an environment that didn't really um was supposed to be safe right we were yanked out of a un uh, position and we were taken to another location that we knew was um effectively enemy zone right so we didn't have much of an expectation of making it out of life in fact when they took us and were trying to tell us what was going to happen next the gesture that they did was they were taking us to make a bad video of us right and videos of decapitation were quite common as uh, as a part of warring parties sort of communicating commitment to the intent hey friends welcome to this episode of please blow my mind with me will fleming thank you for turning up for being here for being part of this what's happening at the moment well we are in a unique time in history we are forced being forced and are forced to stay in our homes to look within to to learn to be with ourselves and others again to learn to turn off those parts of us that look for suppression what do i mean by that well you can't drive down and get your favorite mcdonald's combo anymore you can't uber eats what can you do you can go food shopping this is our portal what else can you do you can go online you can connect with others and we are in a unique time so here we are we're hanging out together people are trying to find meaning in this new digital world for me that's bringing content this is bringing content and interviewing people who you know look at life from a different angle i once saw an interview with keanu reeves and he said look when i make films it's like i look at the apple from here but immediately i wonder what does the apple look like from over here what does it look like from here and that's how i am with life why that's my question why why is it we do what we do and look it can get pretty big pretty fast but i recently was organizing a podcast with a guest and they said tell us a bit about your podcast and this was in written form and here's what i wrote because I think it might help me articulate to you just the deepness of what I'm trying to achieve. My podcast is Free Flow Conversations, mainly focused on the topic of how we process the world around us. My area of interest is to take deep dives with guests into meaning itself, why we do what we do, and who is in charge of that decision making. I'm interested in your take on this moment in time. Sorry to be so metaphorical, but I am trying to create content that connects on a deep level. <sighs> what a journey. What a journey. That's all I'll say. <sighs> okay. Alia Bozhilova joins us on the podcast today. Alia is a psychologist. She is the psychologist that the SAS, who are the kind of elite soldiers that New Zealand has, 
kind of like our immune system. They are our immune system. When things are, you know, that virus in the human world is attacking, the SAS go in, and it's kind of like what I'm trying to metaphorically bring out with all of these cold showers I'm doing and learning the Wim Hof breathing method is to have that version of these soldiers inside us. And and I know I'm quite metaphorical, but but we are sitting in that metaphorical space. And the conversation today with Alia kind of... It acknowledges that we are not in a standard world where A, B, C. It feels like we're kind of like down in J and we've just got to kind of like have a look around and see what's going on. And so I think with people like Alia and others joining me on the podcast who have these unique skill sets at, let's say, at its most basic, dealing or being your best in the worst circumstances this is this is helpful for us this helps us process the real moment in which we live in this very very unique time let's get into the episode with Alia Bujolova Alia thank you for joining me on the podcast thank you for sharing your story with us thank you for blowing our minds okay team enjoy this week's episode and we'll see you after the conversation Alia, thank you for joining me on at this unique time in history. It is interesting to try and process what it means to be us at the moment. I had a uh, like a kind of virtual coffee with my neighbour, and he was on his side of the drive, and I was on my side, and we were talking, and it felt it felt very civil, but it also kind of felt strange that we have these borders now, and I don't know if we are realising the what this means being on lockdown we kind of just think it's a you know like my dad said to me and he's an old guy and he said oh it's kind of like uh, summer holidays and i'm like yeah dad but but people are dying and you are uh, you actually if you wanted to travel you can't actually if you wanted to go for a drive you're not supposed to and i wonder if there's a kind of um i wonder if it will sink in as the weeks go on what, what confronts me, particularly sitting here in my bedroom, talking to people all over the world about what's going on for them, is that this is going to sink in and has sunken in differently for different ones of us because of completely different reasons, mm. which makes outrageously crazy, right? I think we are talking about crises and change being one of the greatest equalizers. It is to a point in that we are all standing still. But all of the nuances that are sitting underneath the surface are just outrageously different for different ones of us. You know, some people are just ridiculously happy. My husband is one of them. That's just part of the part of his normal disposition in life. But it's also because his circumstances allow him now to pause, to compose exactly the sort of picture in life he wants to engage in, mm. and then to decompartmentalize and press forward when he's ready. But for others, it's profoundly confronting. You know, all of the all of the things that they have considered to be themselves, the sorts of things that define them as a person, the external things, you know, the crutches to our mm. identity, they've been kicked off out of the way. So, mm. you know, it's very, very different for different people, even though we are all in the same boat. 
I'm going to take a bit okay. of a, I hope it doesn't come across the wrong way, but I'll, I'll make a few generalizations and mm. they're more feelings. I'll, I'll say feelings. Is it when you have a military background that the, that the training that everyone is to go through is to make, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what these uh, surrounding circumstances are. They're trying to get everyone on the same page so that mm. in a moment you can react the same way. Cause that's what we're seeing, right? You just mentioned some people are finding this incredibly enlightening others are finding it very scary and it's it's purely based off kind of luck like what what is your surrounding that you have had and how have you managed to build that and maybe that's why i'm so fascinated in talking to people who have you know maybe more uh maybe more backgrounds that uh have discipline in them because it feels like what this is revealing is a test on our discipline. Stay home. And people are like, I can't. I don't know how to do that. I've never done <laughs> yeah. that before. Yeah. So so that probably is a little bit of a question about um, the military, but also about just this way of thinking about training, you know, and, and, and trying to um, cut out as many things as possible when faced with these big big propositions you know I feel like for most of us it's like the world is unfiltered at the moment and it's all coming in am I am I a bit unfiltered and my talking <laughs> I think do you know I mean I don't know if you're noticing me um, I'm actually taking notes as right. you're talking because I'm wanting to I'm wanting to wrap our heads around each of these points that you're making mm. they are so so important I think one of the first things that we have to give ourselves permission to to understand is the fact that thing I mean I don't even like calling the current circumstance crisis because mm. whilst it is health crisis for some and economic for others, um, it is just the change and we are all remarkably good at dealing with change. We might we might tell ourselves otherwise, but we have dealt with change our entire existence, right? So I'd like to think of it as change, but when that kind of acute change hits us, it takes us as it finds us. And so for a lot of people who have been at a state of, didn't even know it, but they were in a state of vulnerability, that, of course, exacerbates some of these points of vulnerability. For others, it could just be like, oh, okay, I've been waiting for this moment for mm, a while. Mm. Here I am. Let me rethink things. Um, but I like the point that you're making around degree of readiness. And I think there's a mental sort of readiness that comes together with some training contexts that have been designed to strip away all of the stuff that is just white noise that we tend to wrap ourselves with right and so by default no matter who you are no matter what your speciality you go through phases and stages of training in the military that teach you you need to be having access to your self-efficacy the stuff that makes you yourself your coolest person your best of self with very little around you right mm. like i mean you've got all of the stuff that you need in a tiny bag sometimes too big but sometimes big enough to just get yourself out of trouble and i'm loving i'm loving it that that sense that we oftentimes forget particularly in the developed world where we think of ourselves as as being as having so much stuff and that stuff defining us i like the opportunity to be able to strip down the white noise and the stuff that is weighing us down and now thinking okay what actually matters for us mm. so you are right i think in some to some extent i think military context well to a great extent it really helps um but so do many other exposures that each of us have had in our lives. You know, mm. we've all been at times when we have had to pause and think things through, where we have been confronted with challenges and setbacks that might have appeared at the time to be unsurmountable. But one more thought, one more conversation, one minute later, 
we made it to the other minute, right? And so yes. that's that's the point. I think we sometimes overestimate how specific training and specific conditions prepare us for things and don't give ourselves credit for the sorts of things that life for every one of us is provided in abundance. Mm. So now it's about digging into that stuff and thinking, hey, what's my core essence? What is my what is the the solid foundation that I only stand on? And how do I go about fortifying that rather than worrying and busying myself with stuff that doesn't really matter? And it you feels know? like that last those last things you mentioned are in us. They're they're like uh, these primal instincts, or you know, um, we ha- that they they unlock themselves when you know these moments of uh, kind of fogginess come. Because how it's kind of felt yeah. is like a bit of a dream, you know. Like you're not sure exactly what's happening. That everything we've been told to do, like look forward, plan forward, uh, is mm-hmm. is kind of irrelevant. Like you you can't even really think forward at the moment. Yeah. It feels like the consciousness is around these three weeks, and even around just the day. It's quite normal now to say to people, "What are you up to today?" And yeah, they're so right. much busier than you than when we normally say, "How was your day?" You know, we talk past tense in the old world, and now it's like, "What are you doing today?" Like, I ring my dad up, and and he's like cleaning quarters of his car, you know, and it's like because he needs things to pad his day out. And I'm like, that's kind of strange that it takes these kind of things. And I guess that's what I'll ask you. And I, I don't expect you to give me a defined answer, but I'm more fascinated with why it takes things that scare us to unlock these other things in us. You know, what is it about our mind? Uh, we want harmony. We all love the idea that we're safe. We love the uh, the picture of our of our families being safe. Yet it is only when there's the it seems to be there's only when there's the threat that that's not possible that we value it more. And I don't know why we're not prepared for that. I don't know yeah. why we forget that. I mean, I'm sure you know when you did your military stuff, and maybe you still have that principle that you know there's uncertain things. And and I, I wonder now what the opportunity for us to, like, maybe it will forever change us that we can't, yeah. or remind us maybe. We're not the first people to go through crises. Oh, well, you know, not crises, but we're not the first people to have something out of our control, you know, mm-hmm. um, but we forgot for a while maybe. Well, am I wrong in thinking that this is, that this is by and large a really, important phase for us to pause and think things through mm. i think i think i mean obviously there are some acute challenges that many of us will have to tackle but the first thought that i had in my mind um when you were when you were sharing this well actually two thoughts um i don't know if you had one of those granddads but i did one of those granddads that has been he, he comes from bulgaria russian origin so his entire fabric was made out of the idea of survival and the mm. idea of thriving with as little as you can and i'm not and we all have had one of those granddads one of these histories <laughs> and connection points in life but one of the things that he used to remind me and my cousins when we would go to visit him in the country was every time we squeal about a toy which you know wasn't readily accessible in communist time but he'd say stuff like hey i need you to try and be as happy as you can even if it is in a matchbox imagine yourself in a matchbox there's nothing else around you how will you keep yourself entertained and happy? And so what he was referring to is what good old Viktor Frankl was talking about in his book, Men's Search for Meaning, right? You've got to find it from within. Um, so I don't know. My thinking is twofold. On the one hand, we need to start thinking about these things because those are the things that carry us through life consistently. 
on the other, I really like that thought of why does it take, let's call it a crisis, a crisis or acute, unpredictable impact for us to reorient towards what matters most. Mm. And it is because in a daily grind, we tend to accumulate. That's how we create little caves for ourselves, right? This is how we kind of cushion the blows of life. We think, okay, we need all of these different things. But crises are remarkable because, like we mentioned earlier, they equalize. They also remind you how much of that stuff is just white noise that you like to keep yourself entertained with. But it's mere distraction away from the sorts of things that truly matter. Mm. And oftentimes, unless we have these cues and changes and acute tests in life, we don't get to ask ourselves those clear, hard questions. Now the distractions have been cut out and you have no choice but to stare at it and kind of think, okay, what is that Mm. thing that matters to me and how do I connect with it more meaningfully, more deeply, more intentionally? Yeah, that's just so much fun for me talking like this because, I mean, it's the exact thing I love to talk about, you know, just because we're not really talking about anything you can grab on. We're talking about things you have to feel, and it's a bit like how we separate mind and body. In this scenario, it feels like they're kind of, they're they're fused together again. You know, I think of little things like we can't go around and have our Big Macs at the moment. And what is that doing for our mind? just that we have to drink more water eat more food when i'm going to the aisles chip section's still full but the meats and the veggies they're all being you know they're the ones people want meat veggie and toilet paper and i wonder what's what's awoken in us that we're thinking "Uh oh uh oh I, i might not be able to eat so i better get the foods that my that my my history is telling me nourishes me you know and 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 maybe it's not on us to actually worry too much about what's happening but a little bit of it i think is important like for example i wonder if it's it's a simple tool that you just said your grandfather said imagine being happy enough living in a matchbox and like we actually are our matchboxes are our homes at the moment and have we stopped and said how could I imagine myself having fun in my home as opposed to just the tactical, I need internet, I need a camera to talk to work, I need to get yeah. food. Have we sat back and said, how can we have fun in our homes? And yeah. even if you know you can't, that's the point your grandfather made, right? Imagine what how you would. And yeah. that has really stopped me because I'm like, I haven't done that yet. I've been doing it slightly through the podcast and connection. But what are the things that you could do around the home, around your matchbox that that could make you have fun? And that's, um, yeah, that's one of those things that hopefully now we take a couple minutes today um, and and do that. I briefly mentioned the body and mind. You know, as someone who looks at psychology, are those two things for you, do they have to work together? Of course. Mm. Of course. See, you say of course, but why does it feel like they're two separate things? We have the gym for the body and we have the psychologist for the mind. You don't go to someone who's a psychologist and can personal train you. I mean, maybe that's the military. (laughs) Well, uh, can you imagine them being, I mean, I think we have plenty of examples of times in life where they have become for us separate entities, right? Mm. I mean, Think body, think mind, and also think spirituality, right? For those of us that connect with this in some form or another. When they are dislocated, and we have plenty of examples in busy times when that is the case, we know the consequences. I I love the fact that uh, when the pressure's on and you get really, really tested, right, you become so remarkably 
bluntly aware of that connection, right? You, you just, this is one of these things you cannot daily daily with. And maybe I said, of course, in that sort of, like, what do you mean? Who thinks that they're not? Like, what planet did I come from? <laughs> because you, once you feel like you can't deny that, right? Mm. Like, like, you know, the, the, the gorgeous thing about some acute exposures, for example, is that you get a very tangible, you can almost, well, you can smell it, you can hear it, you can taste the dislocation between your mind and your body. You know precisely how lack of health or lack of physical preparedness in terms of robustness in your physical body affects your capacity to reason, to problem solve effectively, even to connect with other people intentionally, right? Like one of the most, um, one of the, one of the most powerful resilience heuristics um, we landed on in our research is something we like to call belong and make better, right? So if you're in a complete pickle, if stuff has turned upside down and you're just in a, in, you know, tricky predicament, what we know is that one of the best ways for, for us to regain resilience is to think, where do I belong? What do I belong to? And how can I improve someone else's lot? Even if it's by a microsecond, right? And then we've got stuff like mirror neurons in that sense, however low I am, I can do something good for someone else and thereby suddenly I feel a little bit better about myself. Oh, look, endorphins are streaming up. Happy times, right? But you can't do that as easily if your body, your mind aren't connected, right? If you aren't uh, aligned because what you've got is a whole heap of obstacles and barriers that affect your, at the simplest, rawest, most narrowest of levels, the biochemical responses in your body. So I don't know if we, yeah, no one can really can really deny that, you know? Mm. Do you sometimes sit back and think it's so weird how complicated we are, but simple? You know, like I mentioned that the meats and the fruit section and the vegetables were, you know, and people wanted to think about the toilet, you know, and the toilet paper and the psychology <laughs> behind that. Yet when you talk, there's so many variants in life. There's our physical body, there's our mental, there's this unknown area that half of everyone thinks there's no meaning. The other half there's thinks there's ultimate meaning. Ultimately, it's like they're probably talking about the same thing but I sometimes sit back and say why is it important for us to ever try and understand that you know why why are we like we are have you sat back and thought what is it in us that makes us capable of such darkness but such beauty you know it it, it is a really it feels like it it feels like we have within us this this something and and I mean, I kind of carry that around with me, this feeling of, man, I, I, I understand we need to prove things in science, but I feel like, and maybe that's just the evolution of the human, you know, where you think you're this amazing thing. Uh, but, but have you ever sat back kind of, I guess, um, you know, on a philosophical level or, or on a religious level and just tried to understand what is it about us that makes us like we are? I don't know. What I like the most about I think it's about moments such as these where we become aware of how simple it is for us to do the most complex of things in the greatest of ways, right? And so why did I say that? You know, like we've, we've got such capacity for contribution, for connection, for improvement, for, for doing good by everything that's around us, right? But we tend to overcomplicate the journey ahead. And I think maybe one big part of the reason, um, I'm probably biased because of the conversations that I have had over the last wee while. Mm. I think particularly when we have operated in environments that may not have been as complex as we are designed to be, we tend to complicate things, right? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like yes. we connect with so many things that have absolutely no relevance and no meaning. Yeah. 
But what we get to see is that when we do have crisis, when stuff is taken away from us, uh, and you get to see this all over the world when there is an economic crisis, you know, I grew up in one of those, and you get to see people being far more deeply connected. Mm. They worry far less about gossip than they do about having healthy, deep, meaningful relationships with the neighbors because survival depends on that. Mm. They worry far more, far less about what's happening, I don't know, in Women's Weekly and worry far more about what's happening inside of the families because that's most proximate and most meaningful for their survival. Mm. So maybe we, maybe we have indulged in the luxury of having complex lives. Well, I won't try and add on like I know what I'm talking about, but it feels like we could, it could be a way for us to remind ourselves when we get too far along this invent, you know, like things like meetings, for example, they seem yeah. like a lot of waste of time quite often. And <laughs> we all do a lot of them, you know, we do the meetings and I sometimes sit there and I think, well, what are we doing? And now there's hardly any meetings or people have more meaningful meetings like podcasts and Zoom calls, but we do complicate it and we've got to structure our days and calendars and we've got a meeting here and a meeting there and and now it's just about stripping all those back. And, and I wonder if like, um, you know, because I'm like, why are we like that? Why does it? Why do we why do we think meetings and complicating our lives and creating reality reality TV shows like the Kardashians where we know it's not real but we still really like it and why do we just keep filling our minds up filling our bodies up and it just I've sometimes sat back and think well maybe it's just a really smart way of consistently you know the wave the 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 pattern has to always kick off again and yeah. if it didn't I guess yeah. you know what the virus is revealing to it goes after your vulnerabilities maybe we would be really vulnerable if we were just logical and simple we have to be complex go to the point start from zero but just uh -huh. man it feels You're like, thinking a, like this has been giving us a bit of a buffer like we've been building a bit of a buffer for for hard times I think so yeah. you know like the matrix like Neo learns that he's not the first one and we <laughs> have to we're now Neo getting ripped out realizing a we were in a matrix and b yeah. that this is a simulation that is constantly happening um, that life is about you know it is about constantly reminding you, you you're too far away from the meaning it will yeah. make things hard for a while why don't we just build on that point about the matrix thing? And again, mm. this is without, without going crazy on it, um, but I really like that idea because when you think about it, even if it is without one of those worldwide crises, every one of us has had plenty of moments and episodes of you know that kind of awakening that happens when you get hit by something unexpected, right? Mm. Um, and just it just reminded me, if that's okay to kind of, just as you were talking, it reminded me that none of the stuff that we thought was planned ahead of us and that we had in week three and, and in July and in God knows when was necessarily granted to us. Like we always know that this is one of these really confronting predicaments, right? Why are we so determined to stuff our time full of things that may or may not happen and pretend that there's predictability and control over our lives? But this is something we are craving. And then we get busy with defining ourselves against other people or against external criteria that probably have little to do with us. And then we get to really learn and know ourselves. Um, so I think that's that's an important little piece for us to focus on. The other piece that this really brings me to is, um, I don't know if, what you've, whether you've noticed that, but I certainly have been noticing in my conversations with people over the, over the last few weeks 
that really kind of crystallizing of commitment towards basic things we talk about all the time but we don't do enough about like for example sustainability being intentional with the effort that you've got uh not being as greedy as we have been cutting out the white noise and really becoming very benevolent in your engagement with life and as much as it this excites me to no end what frightens me is are we going to stick with it are we going to build on it are we going to grow from it are we going to remember it this time and how can we build the environment that we actually are craving and now we have had time to pause and decide on moving forward right it's like we've been written we've been given chapter one of a book about something that we've never known about or forgotten about and we've been given some kind of a final chapter right and the final chapter is guess what you're gonna have to kind of be there in the future in some form or another and now we've got to write all the chapters in between and i am so so determined to see how we do that you know because if we get this time right if we learn how to connect with our environment with each other with our own minds more intentionally and, and deliberately, man, we could be in such a better place. And on that point, the opposite exists too, presumably, that mm. we're also vulnerable, right? Because uh, yeah. I'm no professional in a lot of things, but but I, I, I dabbled with hypnotism for a while, and I know that the principles behind it is trying to get the person you're working with into a state like it feels like we're in now, open to suggestion, looking, observing, being kind of in a heightened sense of awareness. And I'm worried that that makes you vulnerable to suggestion. And do you know what we are not talking about or we haven't even tapped into? Mm. How about people who are stuck physically and otherwise in predicaments that they were preparing to step away from mm-hmm. you know, like we're not thinking about that so like we, we about those we you know there are, there are plenty of vulnerabilities that are being fleshed out right now um but to that end the hope that i have is that all of us begin to focus a little bit more on who can i help and in what way can i help it doesn't yeah. matter how but just a little even if it's for our own selfish purpose of trying to make ourselves feel good better mm. about ourselves mm. you know what i mean because you are right this is going to flesh out a whole heap more vulnerabilities you know what i've been hearing and seeing is a, a kind of a desire to let's start with us at home you know yeah. and, and i will not speak for lots but i will also not judge that everyone will be um let me just maybe break this up a little bit. So I heard, and, and I, I really am sorry if I have this wrong, that kind of violent statistics are not what everyone predicted. They predicted, you know, that it would be a more horrible time. And that, so what I've heard is that it's kind of the opposite. And I was one, I sat on that for like an hour and I was like, what's, if that's true, what's going on there? And a couple of things came to my mind that, that because you don't have the other things of life to allow you to get away I was thinking about it like a tribe it must have been in tribes that if you were the one difficult to be around you would you have found a way out you we just don't want to hang out with you and at home I feel like that like I'm way less kind of like you know parenty you know like come on dude because I know that if I'm no fun to be around no one's going to want to be around me. And I wonder if that is happening on a, on a kind of in our minds that potentially it's also giving people who have kind of found this role within them to be, you know, the grump or the mean person, that they actually have another way to process what's happening, that there is no way out. And if, if we don't do this together, 
then you know you'll be in the tent outside because we don't want to hang around you know you'll be really isolated and maybe isolation itself is an interesting prospect because you know like a float tank is really valued it's amazing isolation time but then it's torture if it's for longer right yeah and so it was like whoa what does that what does that mean if we go back to the normal does that mean that the people who have found meaning now will just go back to the default um Mm. and that's kind of i guess it's not on anyone to really try and control that but to to, to harness it right like if we can 100 percent yeah yeah harnessing it i mean again i was chatting to somebody yesterday and one of the one of the parallels that i've been finding over the last few while is how many times i've heard already people saying things like they've begun to notice this thing they never really paid enough attention to and wowza it's just fueling my my fire you know it's just like it's it's amazing like someone was talking about actually classical music Mm. uh, and they said they never really connected with it but now they had a little bit more time to Mm. actually listen they cannot wait to step away and go to classical music concerts right um but i think it's more more sophisticated than that right like paying attention to the sorts of things that fuel your bucket right now is a good test to what has been true to you or for you all along but might have been disrupted and kind of convoluted by a whole heap of other stuff right so how will we keep that string going you don't have to go nuts on reconstructing life right like you don't have to sit there and design the best future for the world moving forward and take everyone on the journey with you right after i mean that'll be gold if someone does it but if it doesn't happen at least one or two things that are profoundly meaningful that we are discovering right now that we can choose to carry us through i mean i hope you're right in this statistic Mm. i desperately hope that you're right that we have had the opposite of increasing violence. I desperately hope you're right. Some part of me doesn't want to check it because I yeah, want to I mean, believe that even yeah. us talking about it might make someone believe that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like there's the statistic when the All Blacks lose, home violence yes, goes up. And it yeah. breaks me every time I hear it. Because mm-hmm. because I happen to come from a world of love, I don't know that. and But mm-hmm. what that provides is, is a portal into what is going on you know and and i'm sure like most things it's not as simple as that there's a combined factor of drinking's probably up you know argumentation probably awakens uh and and as a result you know uh, maybe physical strength um and its primal form takes over and it's almost like the conversation around suicide when you mention it it becomes something and and that's a also a difficult thought for me to process because you know i've read articles saying we don't talk about it for that reason but then at the same time it's like well if you don't talk about it it feels like you, it's the boogeyman in the corner you yeah, know? yeah absolutely and i don't know whether there has ever been time in history that when not talking about it has ever helped anything anything like that be it a suicidal mm. ideation in fact we know that it can lead to even more harm than good we mm. also know that to be the case with violence of any kind right it's ignoring it that that causes it to perpetuate mm. um, so i love the thought that you had earlier which was around if people are now in a place where they have been granted they have been forced to be in in that space that they've chosen or they've so happened to be at the time when the shutdown began mm. What will be the choices that they make around how they relate with the environment and those around them? And to be honest, I mean, I know depending on where you are on that pathway of access to, you know, how burned out you are, how what what other drama is going on in each of us, right? Um, 
I'm hopeful that each of us can pause to make a better to make a better choice. Every mm. single minute provides you with that opportunity, right? Yeah. Tiny little minutes. Micro moments, in fact. The micro moments and yeah. you know, how it feels for me is sometimes you only realise they've happened after. And I mm. wonder if there's any Maybe we can go into the military for a bit because I'm very fascinated by, um, well, I've told you, you know, it's like ultimately this is where my mind has been. Find people who are disciplined. And, and I don't just mean it like you have to be the disciplined person, but in general, we'll take you, we'll train you, and then you go and do your thing. And I'm fascinated by it because this is exactly the feeling I get now that I don't have. I don't, I don't know when I am overreacting because I haven't had training in that. So... I've done some podcasts with guests who say, you know, it's about it's about taking that couple seconds to breathe because you're hyperventilating, and most people can understand that because you've hyper you're getting angry, but then it's so many times we have to practice not being like the worst version of you um, no a bad version of you is um, emerging and it's like this rolling snowball and you can't stop it you can't stop it and i wonder if that's why you guys have so much training absolutely and you know i think one of the things that you become very familiar is with is what does it feel like for you to be stressed what does it look like for you to be brought to the breaking point or perceived breaking point and then what does it look like to tilt past that point so that you can find another breaking point and you're surprised that you made it through anyway and that's the goal of it right the goal is that you condition yourself to to take yourself way past your point of, of perceived tolerance and do good with what you've been given right and so i think there's something massive in that that we can employ in our current context mm. i think that capacity to recognize that for a myriad of reasons people may experience a spike up in aggression or, or anxiety or spike down towards depression and worry mm. those things are normal but it doesn't mean that you have to take that all the way down to the inevitable journey that your brain is making you perceive will happen right our brains are designed to draw complex and intricate maps of what could happen if this thought right now is true right and and, and when we are in a state of being depleted or when we're in a state of being stressed out we tend to take shortcuts Mm. and those shortcuts can be based on past experiences and conditioning same with things that are depressive tendencies anxiety or excess aggression right and so the goal for us is if we can do one thing i guess why don't we just do that that could be the challenge right let's just choose one thing and it is every time we experience some of these emotions that we haven't decided or haven't accepted as needing to be the part of our better journey we can pause we can recognize that they are part of our spectrum we can pause long enough to let them take over us and then see whether we can take a different choice with them right Mm. so i guess at the end of the day we can't expect that we will make the best decision every minute of the day i think that's something that creates far more anxiety than good sometimes we can start interrupting and interfering with these thought patterns that can do harm, right? And that's the most important thing. Self patterns <laughs> that can do harm. Isn't that an interesting set yeah. of words put together? Mm-hmm. Because it is us. It, and that's what I mean. It doesn't feel, it feels like there's something else in us. And I guess we call it consciousness or the soul. But when yeah. we, we, we can quite happily talk about ourselves as if we're looking back at ourselves. <laughs> and, and it, uh, you know, 
I guess it's understanding that you can think that. You know, you might say to yourself, why did I do that again? Why did I have that drink again? Why did I eat that yeah. donut? So you are talking to yourself in that capacity. And I guess it's what you're saying. Find a way to say to yourself, I, you need to mm-hmm. take that second to pause. And yeah. I, I love how practical that is because you don't need, mm-hmm. you know, to have what we need is you to tell us that it's okay to do that and that it's Don't, meaningful. And by the way, I do have a very tangible reference point uh, that I might have to share with you, right? So um, my my deep dive into the space of resilience started kind of accidentally, right? I've always focused on it, but in May 2013, myself and two of my colleagues uh, in, in Syria that were part of UN were taken hostage. And we were taken hostage um, in, a, in an environment that didn't really um was supposed to be safe right we were yanked out of a un uh, position and we were taken to another location that we knew was uh, effectively enemy zone right so we didn't have much of an expectation of making it out of life in fact when they took us and were trying to tell us what was going to happen next the gesture that they did was they were taking us to make a bad video of us right and videos of decapitation were quite common as uh, as a part of warring parties sort of communicating commitment to the intent. So one of the things that I love about this possibility, the possibilities that sit in that space between event and reaction and noticing what patterns we can disrupt so that we can men- make better choices, we're tested in exactly that situation for us. So you could imagine that in that kind of situation, you could have a million responses that are perfectly excusable you know what I mean? Like you could throw your toys out of the... Uh, you know, nobody wants to be dragged into something like that. Nobody wants to be yanked out of the comfortable zone and be taken to something that has been promised to you will hurt a little or a lot. But then along the way, you've got multiple choices. You can Every single minute along the way can influence a spike up or drop down in potential risk and or aggression. And so you've got to make those choices and you end up realizing, we realized, how much time you can pack in what you previously perceived to be absolutely nothing at all, right? Mm. By making conscious decisions about how you engage with your environment, with your captors, with your colleagues, even though you're not allowed to speak to each other, how will you connect with them uh, so that you can influence a better outcome? Mm. So we came up with this, um, we discovered one of the things that really helped us is this heuristic that we like to call mind where your mind goes, right? And so... Your mind can linger in all sorts of places. It can go easily into a doom and gloom space, which is oftentimes justified because there are plenty of things for someone to worry about. Mm-hmm. But what that instantly does is that it cuts down the pieces of the slices of reality that you could focus on legitimately to a very narrow scope. And unless you really want to play in misery, it's not a very good strategy to take on, right? If your intent is to achieve positive experience, to contribute, to feel better, to have a good day. You need to mind where your mind goes in very, very different way, right? So a trigger happens. Your child loses their mind. You know, my five-year-old has done that a million times in the course of the last week alone. (laughs) And you've got two options, right? You could either lose your mind and you could kind of tell them who the boss is. Or you could pause long enough to see where that emotion comes from. You could connect with them far more deeply at that point. And then you're building a new form of trust that allows you to influence an environment and experience far more intentionally, right? And all it takes is micro moments. So when you're thinking about that spike that happened to us when we were taken hostage, hand on heart, I had experienced that about seven times when I was, you know, stuck at home with my husband and my son, <laughs> you know, this last week. 
But you kind of have to pause and think, hey, okay, what is my capacity to influence and how will I employ that capacity right here, right now? Mm. How will I allow that one second that spikes me up to become a minute within which I think? Which way do I want to go with it? And it's only a minute at the end of the day. I mean, we've got a gazillion minutes right now, right? Mm, so it's just exactly. important that playfulness, you know, with it. Mm. Wow. And and you and your colleagues during this time uh, th- were thinking about this and then all realized later that you were all doing this? Well, what we noticed, and that was really telling, is that so it kind of demonstrated the good stuff and the bad stuff, right? We weren't allowed to speak to each other um, for a long, long time. But what we were noticing is that even though we were two meters apart from each other, um, surprise, this funny coincidence, isn't it? Quite literally, safe distance apart from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and we were in exactly the same predicament. We had very different responses from the very beginning to that same promise, right? So we were expecting different things to begin with. We were anticipating different results to begin with, which was completely random because you have three people that have been trained to the same standards and even though we all come from different countries and have had different military experience in the past, the basics are much the same, right? And so we had one guy from Finland, one from Nepal and myself, but you could trust each other with those basic skills, right? However, where each other's minds were going were very different places. So for one of my colleagues, he had a two-year-old and a baby en route in Finland and he's instant concern was jeebus this is going to happen and my wife is not going to be able to cope you know so he was already walking down that path of horror the other colleague that we had 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 previous experience with hostages and hostage taking and hostage negotiation and his reference point was one of well they're not they're not really tidy you know they're not acting as they should i could think that they, they could leave the game up here and there so he was focusing more on the tactics that they were using mm. and his mind was already engaged in problem solving, uh, which gave him a bit of time to not freak out. Mm. You know, and, and to be fair, in my experience, um, I was asleep at the time when it happened because it was two o'clock in the morning. And I initially thought that this was a training exercise that really? the UN was. <laughs> yeah. wow. Well, I mean, this is lucky though, right? Because yeah. you're thinking, come on guys, yeah, could you not yeah. find more convenient time? <laughs> um, and then the other option, the other the other thing that happened for me is that because of where I was physically positioned, I could strike a conversation with one of our captors really early on, and you begin to connect with them slightly differently, right? You engage in the conversation, which means it allows you an opportunity to start perceiving this as a situation you can influence in some way, and that gives you a bit of a delay between event and reaction too. Mm. So tiny little wins along the way wow. can take a lot differently. But th- this was the most confronting thing. Three of us were held in the same space, in the same conditions, by and large, um, and we had very different, very different response. So when we came back, that's what we were debriefing. Where was your mind at? What were you focusing on? Mm. What were you paying attention to? You know, uh, Leo. Look, I want to walk gingerly down this path with you because more for me because this is like whoa what's re- i'm realizing is this is just two people talking but one of us has been in that extreme situation so another one of us doesn't have to be right and yeah. the bulk of yeah. us don't have to so we sit here a little bit i feel like have you seen wally the movie you know no. i'm one of those people on the chairs like basically <laughs> wally is we've ruined the earth so they take a bunch of people into space but we're in space so long waiting for the earth to heal 
in these chairs that roll us around like self-driving cars that our bone density shrinks and we just turn into these blobs of jelly right and this is general population like mentally and physically and and when i hear you i'm like oh actually i should i should be way more careful with when i say you know i've had a bit of a problem today because it can go darker and it can go deeper and so i just want to acknowledge that you know that man i'm I'm kind of my heart's going a little bit because i'm feeling that there's very important for us to hear this and learn it and one of the things i wonder in life is if we can take your story and if we can learn from it or if you have to go through things to learn them i'm not sure because literature or movies they inspire us in ways you know they do teach us lessons and i I hope this is one of the things i don't want to know the research i hope when you tell us this that it makes people think okay you know what the thing i've been complaining about today it can always be worse and i need to raise my game and i do it for you you know or for people who have gone to the edge and come back so yeah i I say that and then and then i wanted to ask and that's what i meant gingerly how how are you here what happened that you could come back yeah um well so thank you and i think this do you know what's really amazing what was really amazing about our situation is that it grounded us beyond comprehension right and so I like that reference that you just brought up. I might be in a really bad state, but someone is always in much worse state than I am. And so how can I use my privilege, the privilege that life has given me in this very minute so that they can prove someone else's lot. I'm very stuck on this heuristic that belong and make better. And it almost doesn't matter what kind of person you are. You could always do that, even if it's for that selfish drive. Mm. But that's what happened to us. So we were where we were taken is an area that we had previously been perched up on top of a hill and observing for months, right? We, our job was to observe and to report the ways in which things were unfolding in Syria. Uh, and so as much as it's, it was intense because it was unexpected and we were in these polished up UN uniforms that are supposed to be untouchable, right? Like we were just brilliant, brilliant officers sent from elsewhere to help this poor country. You get humbled up in microseconds, right? And so the first confronting reality is that from us being the observers, we became the observed. And we were soaked up in an environment that we know humans had existed in for so very long, suffering some of the most inconceivable states of deprive, loss, grief, uh, moral ambiguity and conflict that is on another level, right? I mean, these things are happening to communities, to people the world over all of the time. And everything that I've ever known has been yanked out of them. We are talking also about cultures and environments without generalizing, because, of course, across just Syria, uh, Syria alone, every little bubble is defined by their own principles. But in that particular space, what we knew is that we have people who had lost virtually everything that they ever had. And we're not speaking one in, in one family's life. We're talking generations back. Mm. Right. And so you don't end up just showing up and, and, and picking up a property like we do out here. It's something we get to inherit after generations. Um, so the first the first uh, reason that I guess we were able to engage with this environment differently was that we were able to empathize. We were able to pause long enough to employ a bit of interpersonal curiosity. Like with dumb questions, the dumbest question was like, why would you do that? And by the way, um, I've said this before, but um, my team, the team that I was with, argued that the reason why they let us go is that I talked so much 
the group that took us were like, nah, stuff it, send them back. She just won't shut up. She keeps asking questions. <laughs> but to be fair, that's exactly what ha- what happened. It's like, okay, wait a second. What's going on here? Why? Why? What is your intent with this, right? So you look for those little windows of opportunities to connect with your predicament. You are in it. Might as well play with it, right? So that's the whole idea. Now, so the most important thing I think that helped us is that we were able to step into our curiosity. When you are in that state of fight, flight, freeze, that then if you indulge in it for a little too long, becomes anxiety, becomes overwhelming worry, becomes all sorts of other horrendous things. What you do is that you don't, you don't give yourself the possibility that perhaps if I looked at this tiny little matchbox from a different angle, I might see a different marking. Reading that different marking can make me conclude different, different conclusions about life. Maybe if I change angle, I'll get a little bit more light. Maybe that'll increase my endorphin levels. Mm. Basic stuff, capacity to play with your predicament, to connect with it, to employ your curiosity is profoundly powerful. So when we are in the states that we are right here and we are feeling captive by something that is bigger than us, that is more fussy than us, that is more ferocious than what we've perceived in the past, I wonder what would happen if we are just giving ourselves the opportunity to pause and to explore, to explore your environment from a different angle. This is precisely how we got out of our predicament. Mm. Just, hey, lift your head, tilt your body. Now, you might be restricted as to how much you could move, but you could always tilt backwards or forwards and look to see whether there's something else you can get from that environment that tells you, "Mm, I'm noticing an opening, or at least something to keep my mind excited and occupied a little longer. So we had, well, actually... um, at least two things that really did aid us, which was being very selective around where our mind goes. So if the outcome that you have been promised is a grim one, I'm confronted by the fact that most of us choose to stay in that grim reality. If that's the inevitable outcome, why not use every minute that you've got in between to fuel your bucket with something awesome, to have some powerful experiences, to have some good conversations, whatever, something fun. But if that's not your thing, what if you decide to approach it from a different angle, to experiment and to explore? Every little second that we have gives us an opening and an opportunity. Um, so in our case, we were able to build connection with our captors. We were able to converse with them. We realized really quickly that some of the most aggressive ones amongst them dealt and had dealt with inconceivable loss. Um, and so one of them had in his little wallet thing you know, pictures of his children, seven of whom he had lost. I mean, I don't know what kind of human we'd expect to be gentle and polite after circumstances such as this, right? And yet he was able to give us an opportunity to negotiate, to discuss, to be seen differently. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what you mean, but I feel what you mean. I You do? Because, <laughs> okay. because, uh, because what it says to me is, that is that complete darkness everyone can imagine losing one of your children let alone seven everyone mm. can, even if you don't have children you can imagine that something so sacred and so you can understand that life is not worth it and then add on top of that what you said about generations of family misery and yeah. and things we don't consider in our world here uh, mm-hmm. but to have the capacity to still I don't know connect on a raw human to 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 yeah. to, to see you in some way as a human I mean even after all that it should give us hope because 
if if they can do it you know it's like we really have no excuse um to to not try and i don't know what it is about our western world you know i'm not i'm not as harsh as probably i should be on the western world because i i i love where we live and 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 i understand there's a price we pay for the worldwide um for us to have everything we have i know there's a price to pay worldwide maybe i'll say that you know to have the latest iphone it doesn't come for free you know there's people who prop us up um but but to try and wrap your head around what do you do with that information and i think you know we mentioned it a bit before we have a privilege and privilege i sometimes think is a misinterpreted word as if we shouldn't but we have the capacity to dream where maybe that person you're talking about didn't and it is on us to say guess what you can dream and and it might not always work but we have to believe that that matters otherwise you know otherwise it's just too dark right it, it is too dark to to think about oh my gosh do you remember um like when you were released what like what goes on is it just like okay get out <laughs> well what went on for us was that um we actually wanted to reclaim back the space that we were taken from um because that particular position was going to be shut down right it was perceived now as vulnerable but we decided that we were going to stay behind and we were going to make that space our own again and we spent a lot of time decompressing right and sort of debriefing what had taken place and the choices that we had made the sorts of narratives that were developing each in each of our heads even though like i was saying to you we were in the same space but we were having completely different books written in our heads Mm -hmm. so that was outrageous to explore um and you know we we yeah, we spend some time studying our responses and, and working out how we can help the rest of our community a bit more with the lessons learned, which was pretty right. powerful for us, you know. And and yeah. a, probably a lifelong thing too, right? Probably part of the reason you're open to chatting with me is because it is in that nature, right, of, of mm-hmm. sharing and, and I guess um, – yeah, just it's a really hard one for me to get my head around. You know, such a such a sacrifice to have an insight uh, to share. Poor. Okay, I won't go. I don't want to go any deeper. You know, thank you for for sharing that. Um, I think we all get it that it can go deep and dark, and those lessons should not be played around with. You know, we need to listen hard and 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 pull from what we can into our own life because you know we are all this lottery eh, in our minds like yeah. you said it, your mind can go anywhere and i love what you said about be mindful where your mind goes that is something you might not be able to do but you can at least practice you know and 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 begin to okay i can i can i can have a think about that because if you can't control it maybe there's some help to get right and maybe that's just through uh I don't know all of the different things that we we try and help us in this mind body existence we yeah. have um okay I'm mindful of your time and, and want to thank you for again sharing with us I wonder if uh well two questions well no actually one and please tell me if it's pushing too much into the military zone but what do you th- how's our military military um preparing now because I haven't seen anything I've seen lots of police I've seen lots of government. I've seen lots of health workers. I thought I would have seen, and I wanted to see, just a couple like army, just to like, you know, not patrol, <laughs> but 
but but they're like I was thinking the other day like I went to the supermarket right and you have mm-hmm. these um, security guards who are totally being asked to do things I doubt are in their skill sets and I don't mean mm-hmm. they don't have skill sets but it was like telling explaining to people how to you know um, sterilize hands and and big groups of people who are scared and I think what I was picking up is the security guy was scared too but he was briefed uh, to to not just stand there and you know look after the shop but to tell us to stay two meters apart this is the machine and I could feel him being a bit rattled and I could feel us being a bit rattled and I thought wouldn't it be nice if it was if it was a um, just a, a, a someone with military training who was in regular clothes and has a little bit of okay I have these principles of if someone gets on my nerves it doesn't have to be that I go into overdrive in my mind uh, so I guess the original question what is what what do you think the military is doing now is it just business as usual I mean, I'm a reservist now and I haven't mm. been pulled into anything yet, um, which is a good sign that, you know, we haven't necessarily been mobilized, which should be good for all of us, right? And yeah. so uh, I I am biased, but also I don't think I am. I think I have immense amount of faith and trust in what our, um, people in Army, Navy and Air Force are capable of doing. We've seen how extraordinary they are thinking about things like the Christchurch earthquake, for example. Mm. You had guys and girls that... Uh, have been trained for any length of time between a year and several months in some cases and in you know in 30 years doing some extraordinary things out there so i like i like your idea i like your thinking around um you know having military presence in civilian attire but we also have to be mindful of something else too i think we are all a part of this right military human beings are human beings you know and i think as much as they may have a degree of preparedness around how to deal with this scenario, they're all equally affected too. And so I think we need to give ourselves a bit of credit there. I mm. think for everyone, it's a new script. Um, yeah, that's true, yeah. Eh? because I imagine military is, is in, in the outfit. And I guess what the outfit does is it removes the human a little bit. And you see just, you know, when I talk to you, I only see the human. Um, mm. So maybe that is the way that military is still serving by you offering those insights, you know, like for you to say, I still have trust in the system means something to people who don't know the system, you know, who actually our job outside of the system is just to make sure we drive on the left-hand side of the road and, you know, say thank you and stop at the red light. And sometimes that's a challenge for many of us. But but in these moments, it's just, you know, we're in that heightened state. So uh, I definitely am picking up little bits as we're talking. And the other question I wanted to ask you is um, maybe this is a tactical part for people just who have the potential that these weeks coming might reveal a bit of um, more darkness in them. Now, I'm thinking about, is there something that you could recommend, maybe just one mental uh, exercise and one physical exercise that everyone could attempt? And I'm not saying master. Okay, let me start off by saying, have you you noticed on on things like social media and LinkedIn and all these random places, how many outrageous, not outrageous, but what a wave of suggestions we have had of recent around how to keep healthy, happy, positive. Mm, mm. I find half of them a little frustrating, to be honest with you, because it's like, oof, okay, that means that I've never really known how to do the life so far, and now suddenly, look, I've got to read all these different scripts. The point of that is sometimes we are overcomplicating these things. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes we are overcomplicating things. And I think one thing we need to be mindful of is that that one area or that one strategy 
uh, that we might need to practice to improve ourselves may be different to different ones of us. Mm-hmm. I think that is the most important message for us to realize. You don't have to be or do anything that someone else is doing. Work out what matters to you the most. Mm. What's important is what would work for me. What is the one thing that I really want to focus in and hone in on that will fuel me, that will grow me, that will excite me moving forward. If we are to all focus on, if I was to suggest that we can play with one thing in terms of our, our mental health, I think it is most certainly focusing on minding where our mind goes. And if you're noting, noticing ourselves going down a path that might not be as comfortable or as fulfilling uh, or might be dangerous, finding as many ways for us to connect to the sorts of things that fuel us positively, right? And those could be other people, those could be activities, those could be the small moments of discovery we have all been challenged to focus on, mindfulness stuff. But these things work differently for different ones of us. So, one little exercise that we have been doing um, with our week cohort and a bunch of people I work with have recent is that we have all paused long enough, sometimes 10, 15 minutes, and done something outrageously geeky. So, what we do is that we sit down and kind of think, all right, cool, so now I need to think about the moments that have excited me the most, the moments that have totally spent my wills in, in joy and uh, fulfillment and groundedness, whatever, whatever's your thing, you depict it. You pick up one page, put a giant bucket on it if you want to, and think, what are the sorts of things that have fueled my bucket? What are the sorts of things that I've loved the most? What are the things that I might not be able to do right now, like travel, but I love? And what is in that that I love? Like, so for example, is it discovery? Is it new smells, new sounds, whatever? Then think about achievements. Achievements, I know it sounds a little bit uncomfortable, particularly for us Kiwis, but achievements that others might have seen and celebrated along with us or achievements within. So noting these moments down. Then think about everything that matters to you as a human being, the stuff that keeps you excited. And so what we've all done is that we've all geeked ourselves into this little exercise and drawn a whole heap of random looking pictures of what that looks uniquely to each and every one of us. So the reason why we do that is that when you have so many different reference points to change and unpredictability, what we tend to forget is what we already have in abundance. What are the things that are true to us, even though they're not physically proximate to us? Memories and thoughts can be as powerful as new experiences, right? And so what we really need to be thinking about is how am I fueling myself right now? What's the stuff I'm putting in the mix? So mind where your mind goes, but to start with, define what this thing is that gives you the buzz that you want. What is the thing that inspires and fuels you? And perhaps if we knew that a little better, if we had deeper self-awareness, what that can help us do is think, okay, well, maybe my thing moving forward will be to become much better at stitching or much better at running or much better at whatever, talking. And then you go about in pursuit of that. But I think it needs to be deeply personal, you know, because we've got all of the other suggestions in abundance now. Do you agree? What are your thoughts on that? I I more than agree. I think that that's exactly the types of things that I knew we would talk about, but I just couldn't anticipate how powerful it would be because I mentioned we're on that heightened sense and, and we need to hear it. And I also have an instinct in me that says we need to hear it out loud. You know, I, I sometimes think if you, if you just imagine saying I love you in your head to someone, it would be ridiculous, but we do it all the time. We have these conversations, yeah. but it means something when we say it out loud. And I wonder if it's because we can hear it. But, you know, we we have to kind of have a mixture of them, right? We have to see it, hear it, feel it, or yeah. at least 
I'm sure that's why if you have a loss of one of those senses, the others pick it up. The others pick mm-hmm. up the, the slack because it's about hearing it. And you've really given us that today. We've heard we've heard it, you know, and, and it, we are in a time now where we have time to do mm-hmm. that. So we can, yeah. our, our mission is be mindful where your mind goes. And that'll be challenging, you know, like I'm dabbling in meditation and it's like, it just tells you listen to the sounds and now see how long you can keep them in your head and they go and next thing your mind is on something else and you're like what the I thought I was in control of this but we're not we are kind of but we're just it's like we are it's like we're in a car you know and we've just got to try and work out that if we if it's a flat tire fix it but we've got all these flat tires on us and we don't know it is a flat tire so we just keep rolling along and you know holding up traffic and we just got to make it yeah we've got to find ways to process it but um yeah okay okay i get it i think we all get it and so that's good that's going to give us something to to focus on well look i have watched far too many movies in my life and i feel like i'm putting you in like these war movies in my head I want to say things like thank you for your service but I know that's very American I guess what I really mean by that is you know you confirmed again that the reason I do this podcast is to try and talk to the people who have glanced into that darkness for us and and kind of return to tell a tale you know like the adventurers we like indiana jones for a reason because he's in their adventurers and and maybe at its base level you know you've adventured and you've shared some stuff so just kind of want to say thank you and um that it means a bunch to us and and uh well secondly i also want to say please start a podcast because it'd be way better if people could hear your story than just me (laughs) babbling on about you know stuff i find interesting about burpees but definitely um the, the time is now that we want to hear those stories you know I want to know what would happen if you and those other two people you were mentioning in your story came back to talk and and how life you know because there's a bunch of us who are looking for that kind of leadership too not just the Jacinda leadership of strategic but the tactical day-to-day you know of how we get through so um yeah, and, and I normally ask people kind of in the podcast, you know, is there a moment that blew your mind or helped you see the world in a different way? But lately I've been reframing from that because at the moment I just want my mind to be calm. And so is there a moment in your life where you can picture just a sense of calm, a sense of the chaos is under control for now? Does that moment exist? So... This moment is incredibly precious to me, and it happens every day, at least at least once a day, uh, but usually more than once. And the reason why it's very important to me is that I am um, I've accepted I'm an extreme energizer bunny, and I love adventures. I'm, I'm dangerously curious, so my mind is always exploring something else, which is usually healthy, but not not always uh, that good in terms of energy levels. But the one thing that I uh, am able to practice mindfulness with is the time when I put my son to sleep every night you know and I and I he's five now but there's something to this moment when you realize absolutely nothing matters and if you can conclude each day with the realization that I have been the absolute best human being to have the privilege to put this little boy to sleep each day I am I am just rocking it you know and that's the best thing for me so so the the 
most powerful moment of stillness with me is hearing him breathe, connecting with him, and spending those final moments of his day together with him when I know that he's calm, when he's been loved, when he's content. Mm. And so to that end, my next day has to start with a different mindset every single time, which is well, sort of I have to remind myself of that mindset of how will I intentionally engage with each of my days so that I can feel proud enough to be next to him and to be to be worthy to be his mom, right? Mm. And so I have to focus on doing something really good each day, um, wow. doing something really good that I'd be proud of sharing with him each day and also being clear enough in my mind that I need to put him to sleep with that 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 clarity. Do you know mm, what I mean? Because I, I, I it senses and fuels all of my emotions, you know? Wow. And I wonder mm. as a thought experiment, do you think we could think about putting the child version of us to bed at night? Would do you think that would work? Where if we don't have children or, you know, something what do we have? We all have a childhood. Yeah. And put yourself to bed, but not you, because do you deserve it is the question but the child version of you always deserves to have a bit of love in the evening would that work I'm, I might do try you, that tonight do you realize how powerful this is you know i mean have you have you experimented with that do you no because there is a thing to it you yeah, know yeah yeah i mean i just i, I was just going to pretend that you're going to trust me for putting a label to it <laughs> but you know the um you know how i don't know if you have noticed the recent people have been talking a ton about self-compassion and kindness and self-kindness and all that sort of stuff uh, and I have practiced with that, right? Particularly um, as someone who is hyper energetic, I know I always tend to think, oh, you could always do better. That's just part of these things that typically spins my wheels. Um, but actually, there's gold in that. So actually concluding each day, seeing yourself also as the greatest privilege. Because it is, right? We've had a day. We've had a day in our lives. Mm. So what will we need in order to feel grounded? Yeah. How will you how will you orient towards yourself to let yourself be at peace each day and how will you treat yourself how will you speak to yourself what will your internal monologue be what will we acknowledge and what will you let yourself focus on so that you can give yourself your best <gasps> wowza that <laughs> we, is gold we blew our I'm minds doing. together yay um, <laughs> forget we, about that I'm doing that thing <laughs> that's awesome Alia where can people uh kind of follow you if they want to touch base with you on the internet and and you know i guess it's just like kind of follow your journey or engage you in like a business sense is there a place people can um connect i guess I'm, i'll be on linkedin and i'll be on linkedin a little bit more so i'm going to start sharing some of the learnings and the lessons learned that we have been accumulating over the last few while awesome. with the wider world but yeah I'm gonna be happy. I'm gonna be spamming you with start a podcast, start a podcast. Um, that's awesome. Okay, well, thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing. And look, I'm probably blabbing. I'm gonna be so embarrassed listening back to this because look at me, it's like a fanboy. Yay! I've got a military person, and I've been asking all these questions, and then it got to the Syria bit, and I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. That's too much. So yeah, I want to thank you for joining us. Awesome. Thank you so so much. So there we go, friends. That was an intense story and a story that I'm so thankful that we got to hear. Alia, thank you so much for being a guest, for being vulnerable, for taking us on a deep dive into your story. Look, um, 
at the end of every episode what I'm doing is giving a quick plug to my Patreon page. For those who are following the journey you know I've started this Patreon journey as an acknowledgement that I would like to do more content like this. So so what's the deal? Well if you feel like you find value and if you do find value in this content that I create in these long form podcasts and the short clips on social media please consider donating $10 to Patreon because that would help well with enough people joining up and donating well 10 bucks we can do this more often um, I have no plans of stopping anytime soon bringing, bringing these rich deep conversations to everyone and and every 10 bucks that gets donated helps it really does help it's just going to this journey to to help with the booking to help with the editing to help with scaling up because I really believe there's some areas in life we need to scale up and at the moment it feels like these conversations online they add value they add soul to the internet you know for every short little clickbait video there should be one long form podcast that brings a bit of brings a bit of life to these digital zeros and ones I go deep team I go deep so just before we go lots of awesome content coming up i have six-time kickboxer world champion jason sutty joining me to talk about and teach me the wim hof breathing method uh what else do we have we have david neath coming up on the podcast to talk about mental skills and how to be strong all right he is strong mentally physically and and that comes through in this podcast so very much looking forward to that what else have we got we've got cam Kalkoon joining us uh to talk well just about awesomeness we've got rena owen joining us it's it's a it's a star-studded podcast series coming up and look People are answering the call. This is it. This is it. We are on. Quick shout out to Daniel. He gets a shout out for every podcast that I make because he is a Patreon supporter. So if you want to get a shout out, hi, Daniel. Thumbs up to you, bro. Um, Please consider donating to Patreon. Right. I've rambled too much. That's us for another week. Deep breath. Thank you all for joining me. We will see you in the next episode.